Turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Actually, the message is from Philippians chapters 2 and 3, and I believe it can be an encouragement to our hearts. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All of us are sort of like this little candle up here. We can either let the light burn or we can hide it under a bushel and nobody can see it. Many times we hide the light of our spiritual life under the debris either of a wasted life or of an accumulation of things that really don't count. And yet we uh, think they count, but they really don't. When in reality, God wants us to let our light shine and glow so that all the world can see it. Let your light so shine among men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is in no wise an invitation to be a braggart. It simply says when you go around as a light in a dark world, it will light people's paths and they will see it and they will come to that light and will want what's in the light. Now, really God wants us to glow and really be more than just a light in a dark world. He wants us to glow and shine and give off sparkles. Like that. And when we do that, all those sparkles go into somebody's life. They count for eternity. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That passage we read from Philippians chapter 3, Brother Matt read a little while ago, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, even the death of the cross. Now, God wants us to let that light shine before people. The only way we can do that is to really know him. How are we going to know him? Caleb... Come up here just a minute. Will you help me preach this morning? I want to show you something. Caleb, look, just put your hands out here, both of them together. All right, look. Well, just one. Now, look. I've got that hand tied. See him get out of it. See? He broke it. Now, watch. Now get out. See, he can still get out. Now, let's watch. Put your hand out here again. Okay.
Can't even hardly get my hand out. <laughs> now watch, watch what he's going to do. This is totally unrehearsed. I got out. It's a little bit harder, but he's getting out of it. Now watch. I'm not through. somebody came along and said, Caleb, I'm going to free you. They got some scissors and just pulled them out. And break the power of this cord. And your mother didn't get the rest of it off. <laughs> she's not mad at me for tying you up. Now, you can get the rest of it off. What I'm trying to show you is what I'm trying to show you is one little piece of tape or thread can hurt us. We probably can get rid of it. It's like a drink of alcohol. You can take a drink and break it. Take another drink and break it. Take another drink and it's a little bit tighter. You don't want to drink it so much. Then you, pretty soon it gets on and on and on and on and on and on and on. You can't hardly break it. You need somebody to help you. That's the way with sin. He breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. And when we let Jesus get into our lives and help us, he's the one that helps us. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, even the death of the cross. Now. In order to understand this passage, it comes in two-fold. I'll preach another second message from this passage, maybe two or three Sundays. Next Sunday we have some special guests, and tonight we have a deacon ordination. I want to go back to chapter 2 and show you how we're going to know him. We have to know who he is to begin with. In chapter 2, beginning of verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If we're going to know Him, we have to know who He is. And there's no better passage in the entire Bible that tells us who Jesus is than chapter 2 of verse 5. Being in the form of God, He thought it not robbery or something to be held to at all costs, 
but made himself of no reputation. He left the glory of heaven, came to the gory place of Golgotha. They let him, they let them, he let them drive nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his brow, a stab in his side, nailed to a cross, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, dying on an old rugged cross in shame between two thieves. They did all that to him so that you and I could have our sins paid for. So the first thing we know about him, he paid the price for our sin. The wages of sin is death. The paycheck you draw at the end of life for sin is death. Every sin, every transgression must be receive a recompense and reward. Nobody ever gets by with sin. Either we pay for our own sins here and in hell, or we put our sins on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died on that cross, all of our sins, all of your sins and my sins, the sins of a whole world were put on him that day. He paid the price for our sins. I put tape around Curtis's hand. At first he could break it. That's the way sin is. You sin a little bit, you can break it. Sin a little bit more, you can probably still break it. After a while, sin gets so part of you that it, it consumes you and it takes you down, down, down to a wasted life and a wasted eternity. An eternity where there's no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Really, if you look in the scripture in that passage in Psalms, what it really says, the fool has said in his heart, no God. The word there is, is in italics, which means it was not in the original. They added that to make it have more running power. But the fool has said in his heart, no. There may be a God, but no God, I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to live for you. I'm not going to honor you. Well, Jesus died for that sin also in Revelation 5. They found the scroll that was going to tell all the things that were yet to happen. Nobody in heaven or in earth could open that scroll. John swept, sat down and wept because nobody could find, be found. Then somebody came and said, John, don't weep. The elder of the tribe of Israel, he has prevailed to open the seal and to break the seals thereof. And Jesus came and broke the seals. That's what he does to your life. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. There was none other good enough to pay the price for sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. You want to know Jesus? You need to know he paid the price for your sin. Now you're not going to understand him unless you know how terrible sin is. Sin is a horrible monster. God hates cursing. God hates stealing. God hates sexual sins. God hates deliberate sins. God hates deceitful sins. God hates sin. But Jesus loves the sinner. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, he forgives and cleanses because he paid the price for sin. Secondly, he put away the priestly system. In the scripture, 
especially in the Old Testament, when a man sinned, he would take an animal, maybe a little lamb or sometimes a goat or some kind of animal, would offer it as a blood sacrifice on the altar. The altar was the Ark of the Covenant. Once a year, the priest would go beyond the veil and offer a blood sacrifice on the altar, on the altar of, the, of the mercy seat, which was over the Ark of the Covenant. That mercy seat was made of pure gold, estimated to be worth $90,000 in our estimable, marketable value today. On either side were the cherubims representing the presence of the Lord. That blood sacrifice was offered there symbolically looking forward to the time when the Lamb of God would come to take away the sins of the world. And on an appointed day in Bethlehem of Judea, Jesus was born. He grew to manhood. He touched blind eyes and caused them to see. Interrupted funeral processions, raised dead people to life. Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and they nailed him to a cross. And when he died, out at Calvary, you know what happened in Jerusalem? A great earthquake occurred and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Never again would a priest go and offer a blood sacrifice because Jesus was that blood sacrifice. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He put away the priestly system. Nobody today has to go and offer a blood sacrifice for sins. Jesus forever has taken care of that. Thirdly, not only did he pay the price for sin, put away the priestly system, but Jesus promised perpetual life. Now we think about perpetual motion, we think of something that gets in motion and never stops. Somehow it got some kind of energy within itself. Until recent times, we didn't think that was possible. But through nuclear fission and nuclear power, sometimes that can't happen. But Jesus offers perpetual life to every believer. That means when you put your faith in Christ, it never ends. It's his faith that saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The faith is a gift of God. God gives you the faith, and he never takes it away. He never says, I'm gonna give you faith for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, and then I'll take it away. Listen, do you think Jesus went all the way to the cross, suffered all the agony of the cross, died, was raised from the dead to save me for 30 minutes? I come to Christ and trust Him to be my Savior, and then I sin. Does Jesus have to die all over again for my sin? Do I have to get saved a second or third or fourth or fifth time? No. Once for all, He died for my sins. He promised life eternal. I give unto them life. No man can pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And when you give your heart to Jesus, it's for eternity. He doesn't save you just for a few minutes. Some of the, sometimes a little child will come and say, I want to get saved. And I say, have you ever done this before? Well, yeah, I was saved two weeks ago. I was saved last year. Well, you can't be saved two or three times. You won't be saved one time. 
Now, sometimes you make a profession of faith when you don't possess him. A profession is not always the same as possession. When we receive Christ, he comes into our life to live inside. He never leaves, nor forsakes. Now, the question is, do you really understand and receive him as your Savior? I could have been saved when I was five years old. The preacher would preach out in the auditorium. He'd point his finger. I punched my mother. I remember this just like it was yesterday. I said, Mother, is he fussing at me? She looked at me. I don't remember what she said. Why did I think he was fussing at me? Because in my heart, there was a need. I was responding to that. If somebody could have told me that day, you trust Jesus and he'll save you, I could have been saved. It was several years later. I gave my heart to Christ. He came in. He's never left. Sometimes I've left him, but he's never left me. I give unto them eternal life. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. One of our men, Sanford Davis, gave me this watch a number of years ago. He just came one day. He was a deacon at that time in this church. He said, I want to give you a gift. He gave me this watch. He never came and took it back. I saw him a few times after that. I said, Sanford, I sure appreciate this watch. We well, said, it's yours. I hope it works. It's still working. Keeps good time. That was probably 20 years ago. It's still working. He never came to take it back. Jesus is better than that. He gives us life that will last on and on and on and on eternally. Not only is it eternal in time, it's eternal in quality. It's a new kind of life. When Jesus comes in, the things I used to do, I don't want to do them anymore. Things you used to say, I don't want to say them anymore. Things you used to be, I'm not that anymore. Christ changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. It's hard for me to understand. Now, I know I had a wonderful mother. Had a powerful, precious pastor that preached the truth. He never pulled any punches. He preached against going to movies. I believed him. So I quit. He preached against dancing. He preached against mixed swimming. Straight down the line. When was that? Southern Baptists never preached like that. He did. Southern Baptists always preached like that until recently. They always did. Baptists always took a strong stand against wickedness and sin and carnality in the world and the flesh and the devil. More recently, we've been trying to get in good with the world and the flesh and the devil. We say, come on in, rock bands. Come on in, drums. Come on in, rock music. Come on and dance around if you want to and wave your hands around and all that kind of stuff. I believe my pastor. I began to practice that kind of life. You know, I've certainly been far from perfect. I've sinned miserably. I've had to go back again and again and recommit my life to Christ. When I hear strong sermons, I feel like getting on my knees before the Lord. It's hard for me to understand a person that says, I'm saved, and he never comes and rededicates his life. I don't understand that. I feel the need of it almost all the time. But he has never left me. He's never forsaken me. It's hard for me to understand how a person who says I'm a Christian is still <laughs> get all your lungs and die of lung cancer. I don't see how you can do that. Your body belongs to the Lord. 
you're not your own. How can you gulp down beer and whiskey knowing that the Bible says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, at last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder? I don't know how you can do that. How can you dance away on a dance hall floor? Most men would not dance with men. Isn't that interesting? Why? Why do you dance with girls? Why do girls dance with men? There's a close, basic, Adamic desire. And socially it says it's okay. And so at the proms in our school, public schools, in our proms, they have to have policemen there, have to have chaperones, have to have guards to be sure that nothing awry goes on after the dance. I don't see how a spirit-filled, godly, new person in Christ can want to be involved in all that trash. Words, the D word, the H word, the S word, how can they come out of a believer's mouth unless they're in his heart? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. When those things get the upper hand in our lives, we need to make a beeline for the altar and ask God to forgive us and cleanse us. And we need to do that often probably every day in our homes. He promised perpetual life. Last of all, I'll be through in a moment. You don't know who Christ is, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, we know, have to know who he is. He's the one that gives power to close the door of hell and open the door of heaven. He gives power for a new life. I don't have to do it any longer. I don't have to go on cursing anymore. I don't have to go on drinking anymore. I don't have to go on swearing anymore. I don't have to go on with a trashy life anymore. Christ has changed me from the inside. Not just the outside. You see, the inside gets changed quickly, the outside slowly. I've told you before about a dear man in our church that had a drink habit when he got saved. That lasted a long time. He was ashamed of it. We talked often about it. I took him to get some dry out time at, a, at one of the hospitals and so on. And he still had got back with it again and again and again. I talked to him, do you know for sure you're saved? Yes, I'm saved, Christ in my heart. But he said, I'm miserable with this thing, I wanna quit it. Finally, one day he called me, he said, I'm quitting it. I'm through with it. I've thrown away the last bottle, I'm not gonna drink anymore. He meant it. The last maybe 10 or 12 years of his life, he helped me in so many things. In spiritual ministries, a great blessing. He told me shortly before he died, I was saved a long, long time ago, but I didn't give my life to the Lord until about 10 or 12 years ago. Listen, Christ can come into your heart and you can still cling on to the old things on the outside but he gives you a new heart so you don't want to do those things. And when you find yourself doing them, 
you're upset with your heart and you come to the Lord and ask God to forgive you. He gives you power to overcome sin. He gives you power for a song. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody, the melody of love. In my heart there rings a melody, a melody of love. Brother Bob gets our Sunday school class to sing. Brother Chris gets our congregation to sing. The choir sang beautifully this morning. Kenny came up here and sang from his heart. Others have done that. Brother, Brother Austin plays with the trumpet. And uh, you know, God gives you the power to do that. The power to sing. There was a young man in our church years ago. He'd sit right over here where Noah is sitting. Noe is sitting. And uh, I noticed he never sang. I said something to him one day, he was a Christian. He'd rededicated his life. Matter of fact, he had offered his life to the Lord, but he never sang. I said, uh, I won't call his name, I said, why don't you sing? Oh, I don't have a voice, I can't sing. He married a beautiful girl who also sang. I noticed that uh, after a while, his mouth began to move. Many years ago, I was in a revival meeting at his church. Sat on the platform with him, Somebody was leading the singing, and he was sitting right by me, and he sang beautifully. I turned to him and I said, I called his name. I said, I thought you told me you couldn't sing. He said, that's before Jesus took over. He was saved, but he didn't let Jesus take over. When you let Jesus take over, he gives you a song, and you're not ashamed of it. You may sing like this, what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Or you can sing, what can wash away my sins. I don't know what kind of voice it'll give you, but you'll have a song that you want to sing. And then he gives power to bar the door of hell. Listen, when you're really born again, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be scared every time you hear a sermon, well, I better get saved again. No, no. If Jesus has really come in, he's there to stay, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings. How are you going to know it? You have to know who he is. He breaks the power of sin. He paid the price for sin. He put away the priestly system. He promised perpetual life. He provides power sufficient to open the door of heaven. When you come to the end of the way, and all of us are going to get there one day, either Jesus is going to come in the air and take us, or that may happen any moment. Could happen today. Wouldn't that be glorious if, we'd, if all of a sudden Jesus would come and we'd all go up? <laughs> I don't know what would happen. I hope everybody would go. Is there anybody here who would not go? Examine your heart. If you're not saved, you'll stay here. You go through the awful tribulation period. When Jesus comes and he takes us home, or we lie down in the valley of the shadow, and somebody comes by and says, well, how you doing? You're gonna say, I'm miserable, I'm hurt all over, or you're gonna say, Jesus is in charge. The right time is going to take me home. It's okay. The other day, Judy Walker died. I think her family's going to be here next week. Judy said to her husband, 7.30 in the morning, before she went to heaven, 6.30 that night, she said, God is coming to take me home today, and I'm ready to go. He tried to encourage her. He thought maybe she was just discouraged. Oh no, he's coming today. After a little while, she went to sleep. Gave her more morphine to help her with the pain. She woke up in heaven. 
That's the way it's going to be. When you go down to the valley of a shadow, if Christ is in your heart, there'll be no dark valleys. He'll take his hand and lead you on. I sometimes think he sends an angel to stand by you. Some of you were present when my mother went to heaven. We literally sang her into heaven. While she was taking her last few breaths, we sang, we're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. She had told me a long time before that, Jesus is coming. Sometimes in the night, I'd go and stand by her side two or three o'clock in the morning. She looked at me and said, it's strange that you're here. She said, I've been off somewhere else. My sister was there and some of the family and, and Jesus was there and he was tugging at my heart to come. I said, Mother, we need you here a little longer. Well, I'll stay here until Jesus takes me. And Jesus took her. Listen, when you know who Jesus is, you know he gives the power to open the door of heaven. Some glorious daybreak, Jesus will come. What a day it's going to be when our Jesus we will see. We look upon his face, the one who died on the cross for our sins. I want to ask you, do you know him? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How are you going to know him? You have to know who he is. Jesus paid the price for your sin. He put away the priestly system. He promised perpetual life. And he gives you power over sin, over yourself, to close the door of hell, to open the door of heaven. You can't beat that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for who he is and what he did. And Lord, we pray that someone here today will open his heart to Jesus. This will be a day of victory. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, please. Brother Chris is going to lead us in, is it 468? Without him I can do nothing. 468. Let's turn there, please. As we sing this hymn, the invitation is open. First of all, if you've never been saved, come to Christ. Trust him as your Savior and your Lord. Let him into your heart. If you are saved, I want to ask you, are you living where God answers prayer? Are you living close to his heart so that the things you used to do, you don't want to do them anymore? You may find yourself doing them, but you're sorry. Commit your life back to the Lord. Membership may be in another church and God wants you here at Glendale, you come. If you've been saved but not baptized, you ought to come. Take an open stand for Jesus. And especially if you've never been saved, come to Christ. Will you do that while we sing?